0: Dearest Spencer, sometimes in this bullshit life, I was going to say something clever. Yeah. Call it a charade, a charade, charade. But you know, it's just bullshit. It's bullshit. Sometimes you... Uh, farce. A farce. It yeah. is a farce. Sometimes in this farce of a life, you have things that don't go your way, and that's to be expected. But then sometimes, Spencer, you have things that set you in a rage and make you want to break your computer and quit writing forever. Mm-hmm. So you remember when I told you about a certain publication that went through and liked a bunch of my tweets? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, awesome, and they're probably going to accept my work, and I'm all happy, and there's no way they would reject me. And then months went by, and I have not heard from them. I heard from them. Spencer? Yes? Rejected. Rejected. And even worse, I looked on their Twitter that I unfollowed, and they tweeted just recently that they have four more open slots.
1: Oh. Mm.
0: So that made me think, perhaps it is all a ruse and what these folks do. They get people who submit to them, and then they go look up their social media and like a bunch of their stuff. So you will follow them and also think you have a shot. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. after they reject you, you'll go, oh, I'll submit again and pay the submission fee over and over and over. Because they like my stuff. Why wouldn't I? Scam. Caleb's not playing that game. But that was one of those things. I felt like a sure thing, and then I got rejected, and I'm like, mm, well, "Well, how that was, hurts.
1: how was the rejection?
0: Was it a generic. generic, generic, generic? Oh, it was fucking generic. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> I can't believe that guy called us Kurt. Like, what do you think you can get on the show? He called with. you Kurt. Called me Kurt. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, that sucked. And then I uh. I have a story I really like that I put to some major publications, Okay, and one of them was the Missouri Review. The only problem is this is an absurdist story. I think we talked about it on the air before, but it's not like a literary story. Mm. It's funny. It's mm-hmm. clever. It's written in a entertaining way for how stupid the subject matter is. It is a Kafka-esque Seinfeld episode, okay. is what I would probably describe it as. I really liked it. And I expected that the Missouri Review, because they're more of a high esteemed, I figured probably going to reject it, but at least want to get some eyes on it and you know get it to some places. It's like eight thousand words, so it's hard finding a place that takes that length, right, Yeah, and that style. So I submitted to the places I thought would be a good fit for it, but some of them were just you know a little high hopes. So like the Missouri Review, they got back to me finally, they rejected it, but it was a personal rejection, mm. and they said the writing was really good and there was a lot of imagination. And they want me to submit again in the future. So score on that, kind of like the one rejection I got where they just didn't have a fit for it. Like this one, I think, again, just the piece. Mm -hmm. But I have a more serious story I'm working on. Once I finish that, I'll probably submit to them. And hopefully, because if they like my writing style, then hopefully they'll like the story. So that's about all the news for me. Rejections, rejections, and rejections. But on the plus side, Spencer, I got accepted in The New Yorker. Ah! (laughs) Then I woke up Mm. from my awful dream, and I realized there is no such thing as hope. It is just a manifestation of the bullshit that we trick ourselves into believing to make sure we stay alive, working these mundane nine-to-five jobs where we cry at home, and then we watch TV to take our (laughs) minds off of the awfulness, and that's about it. Yeah, that sounds about right. At some point, you go out and get something to eat. That's about it. Any
1: news on your end? No, I, past couple of days, I've, like, maybe, like, every other day, I've been able to squeak out, like, a hundred words here, maybe almost two hundred there, nothing, like, crazy, but it's, like, the, that short window I have, like, from after getting home from work and, um, you know, something to eat and cleaned up, and then before I fall asleep on the couch.
0: (laughs) So, 20 minutes. Yeah, like this week has been disappointing maybe started on the weekend i don't remember all of a sudden i got in a writing funk but not like a normal writing funk more of the i just don't feel like writing mm. like i just didn't want to be creative and i think i blame a certain book i've been reading yeah I'm not gonna go into it anymore but it's been so goddamn daunting that it's just taken all the because i haven't even been reading that much because it's just taken all the fun out of my life at this point well
1: honestly i think that's also the problem uh, for me, it's a, it's a, it's different. It's a better one than yours, I suppose. But like, not only am I in the midst of a of a good novel that I'm enjoying, but also like a good show. Ooh, yeah. What's the show? Uh Billions. Never heard of it. It's a Showtime show. It's like Paul Giamani oh. and that Jan Daniel Lewis. He was like the redheaded guy from like uh, Homeland, from Homeland, the other Showtime show, yeah, and uh, I don't have Showtime and, and Dreamcatcher from back in the day. Oh, okay. But it's like that guy. He's a billionaire, like stock stranger working the market, kind of doing shady shit. And Paul G. like whatever, like the district attorney, like one of those higher like attorney that like works for like this, you know, for the state. Uh. Um, and so he's like that's like the cat the mouth of trying to. Get each other. And then also, he's trying to become like a governor and and different, you know, move up the the political ladder and and stuff like that. And also, his wife is a shrink that works at the company of the billionaire guy. So it's a whole bunch of just like that. That was way
0: too long of a synopsis for a show I'm never going to watch. Yeah. I don't even remember the name of it already. (laughs) Billionaires? No, just billions. 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 Okay. It's good. Don't expect me to watch it. No. You know what we started watching? It was either. it's so sad. I don't even remember if it was yesterday, the day before. <laughs> like I don't know what's going on. But one of them weeks, we started watching a show, Spencer. Okay. Me and the misses, you won't guess. I won't. Come on, knock on our door. Oh really? Yeah. We started watching the original Three's Company, and you know what? Just watching the first episode fucking holds up. Yeah. Still funny. Now,
1: do you think how quick would that show get canceled now for a gay? For a straight man trying to act gay to first episode, like yeah. it wouldn't last. No. no matter how good it is, and if it did, they would the uh the uh the uh they would get canceled for the landlord people because that guy was yeah. like,
0: "Okay, he's Mr. Roper. um actually, is it Mr. furley that came along later, Dong knots. That's what most people think maybe of. I don't know he's the goofy one, but Mr. Roper was the original. Regardless, I've been watching that, and I uh, only watched one episode. I'm not going I'm watching that. I'm not going to watch any more of that, because it's one of those things. I, was like, I wanted to do stuff, and then I was like, yeah, I watch a little Threes mm-hmm. Company one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember loving the show. And you know what? Oh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Fucking John Ritter. Yeah. No, I have fucking spaced out on that. Uh, John Ritter, physical comedy was up there, man, with the oh, best of them. Oh, yeah. Him. He was oh, so yeah. good. It was, a, it was a great show. Holds up. And uh, you know what? I always like Joyce Dewitt more than uh, Suzanne Summers. Never was into the blonde so much.
1: And she, and she was like super dumb.
0: Yeah, she was real dumb. I don't like the Don Bim, the blonde bimbo stereotype. So anyway, folks, we have a special Irish episode for St. Pa- it's gonna be after uh, St. Patty's Day when this drops, right? Yeah, probably. Um, By I- almost a week. Yeah. So when we go on break here, I'll find an episode about Irish people or something <laughs> for us to do. Uh, until then, enjoy this bass music, or you know what i wish i wish i get a synthesized version come on, on. <laughs> like, that'd be great <laughs> top of the morning to you i don't even want to do a shitty irish oh. accent i hate it I hate it, man. Except everyone want to do the James Joyce fart fiction, I like
1: that. Oh my god, you should do that's what this episode should just be. James Joyce, we already <laughs> yeah. have an
0: episode dedicated to that.
1: I don't uh, think it was dedicated. I think it was just a that's what A, a, a partial snip of it, I, but I think I'll that, bring
0: it up at the end of the episode. Yes, will, that, will that satisfy yes. you? For you, for, we've done that a couple times <laughs> now. I've I've read that on multiple episodes at this point. For you folks who don't know, and who are not in the know. Uh, this is the Drunk Pen Writing Podcast, and we had an episode, I don't know if it was dedicated, but James Joyce has some saucy love letters to his uh, his significant other at one point in his life, and they had a good bout of flatulence in yes. them, and they were great. Uh, I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, Spencer, the Galloway Gooch Grinder Church. Ooh, ow. Just came up with that, because I, I had a different name for you, but then uh. you said it's got to be Irish, because we're doing St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> That, that sounds
1: like it hurts.
0: And I'm also drinking a very giant beer. That's like, what, 32 ounces of beer? It's like a yeah. Pepsi bottle of beer. <laughs> it's uh, That's what
1: it, it looks like. What, like That's how, like. Black. Yeah, thick it is. That's what it looks like. You just have a big thing of Coke in there.
0: It's a delicious Murphy stout, uh, doubled up. I put two in there, fill it up.
1: Doesn't t- t- taste like a cough drop?
0: No. Why would it taste like a cough drop?
1: It's just, that's what. Oh, a cough medicine or whatever that last one you had.
0: Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, you keep bringing up things I don't want to talk about. Stop it. Off-air, oh, Spencer mm-hmm. had some choice words for me about a book I was trying to finish, and I'm like, shut up,
1: Spencer. The book that shall not be named.
0: Yeah, I I literally just blocked it out so hard that I didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, what are you fucking talking And I was like, oh, no. And then it came back, <laughs> ro- rip roaring back to me. You had a physical reaction to oh, it. Oh, it was bad. I, so anyway... For St. Patrick's Day, even though this will drop after, I thought because we've covered Irish things many times. I think now we've been on air for thirty-nine years, forty-six, something. I don't know. We went back in time at some yeah. point, so I think that erased some years. We like, I don't know, something with the tesseract. I don't yes. remember what the fuck you were doing. You were drunk. Mm. Um, speaking of drunks, no, yeah. that's another negative oh. stereotype. Don't. I'm Irish. I can say it. So we are going to be talking about fifteen books by Irish writers you should read right now, Spencer. Brother so you want to jump into this list or do you want me to just ramble on more it's up to you it's up to you whatever you want to do you're the host whatever you want to do also folks i'm going to bring this up this is dbs episode i think (laughs) when we were off air because i have an irish tin flute that i have (laughs) next to the globe that i used to pick spencer's stupid weekly name from i started playing said tin flute Nice little jig music. I thought he was going to start kicking. He started twerking. You told me to jig, so I jigged. That was no. <laughs> you just started twerking, and it was bad. You were so <laughs> stiff. He just bent over halfway at the waist and put his rump in the air, filled the whole place with an odor. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was I was disturbed. Uh, that did happen. I wish I had a video of that. I will post my big beer on Instagram, probably. I don't know if I will. Well, I didn't get a video of your twerking unless you no. want to do it again.
1: Uh, we shouldn't put people through that. Uh. That's what the only fans are for.
0: Yeah, that's true. The Gooch Grinder Galloway. Uh, Spencer's over here just drinking a full bottle of whiskey. Mm. So. Straight straight Irish whiskey. Yep. Could, actually, I, think, I don't think about it. I could drink drank some of that uh, Writer's Tears whiskey I have. I think that's an Irish whiskey. Oh, and it's good. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't because remember I broke the cork off it and I can't open it. Oh, yeah. Fucking jerks. Oh, so 15 books by Irish writers that we should read now, Spencer. I would like to make one distinction. This always grinds my gears. Whenever we talk about the greatest Irish authors, books, all that nonsense, uh, it's always like James Joyce, Samuel Beckett, and that's about the end of that list. I mean, there's like Oscar Wilde and a bunch of other people, but like that's the main ones that are always at the top of the heap. Uh, and then you also have works like uh, even modern works like Angela's Ashes and things that are popular. But here's my problem, Spencer. We consider these Irish authors, right? Yeah. Because they're Irish. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So say you had a Japanese author, got real popular, but they only write in English. Would you Mm. consider them the greatest Japanese author of all time? They don't write in Japanese at all. Mm. Can't speak Japanese.
1: Oh, can't even speak Japanese. Yeah.
0: But they live over there? They live, they're born and raised in Japan. They're Japanese, full-blooded, born and raised. But they don't write in it. Don't write in it, can't speak it.
1: Well, that seems... Or weird. if they do
0: speak it very little, they're not fluent. Or even if they are fluent, they just choose not to. But yeah, for... they,
1: they, they don't put their work out in it. But
0: for the, the sake of this argument, don't speak it at all. Would you say they're the greatest Japanese author? Do it with Russia. Born and raised in Russia. Say, say Dostoevsky, if he only wrote in English, couldn't speak Russian, couldn't write in Russian, couldn't read Russian. Would you say he was the greatest Russian author? No, yeah. he would not. So why is it James Joyce, who... Could not read Irish, could not speak Irish, did not write in Irish, is considered the greatest Irish author.
1: But he was but he was born over there. Born and raised there. Yeah. And
0: his greatest works created when he lived abroad, not in Ireland. Samuel Beckett, another Irishman, I don't know if he could speak or read Irish, but I believe he only wrote in English. So Spencer, as we talk you
1: think maybe that's done for like sale reasons?
0: Well, that and because the English took the Irish culture away and they weren't allowed to speak Irish, and it just pretty much died off for a while. Here's where I'm at, Spencer. This is controversial because most people don't know, but I have talked about him many times on the podcast. Martino Cayen, I would say, is the greatest Irish author because he only wrote in Irish and he spoke Irish. And even if he did speak English, I can't find video proof of it. He only spoke in English as far as, or in Irish as far as I know. Hmm. I'm pretty sure he can speak English, but he just cho- chose, as an Irishman, a proud Irishman, to speak Irish. Going by that, who would you say the greatest Irish author is? That's a very tough one because while Joyce is brilliant, he wrote in English, mm. not his native tongue.
1: See, so yeah, well, but, but though, like you said, though that that is kind of they. It's kind of funky because of how their culture is taken, taken away. away. Yeah. yeah. And in the other examples, I just I find it so odd that the, that you they live in a country like like you like the Russia, like they live there their whole life, but can't speak or or. or but write that's what a... happened to Ireland. Yeah, the... but I mean, again, like that's a reason though. If they're just they just well, didn't... say they
0: lived on a part of Russia that was taken over by some other place, and they weren't able to speak the language.
2: Mm.
1: Well, I guess maybe um, would especially like with those kind of things. I know at least with Russia. A lot of it has to do with like the writing style, kind of. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, that's another good if, point, if, though. If in Ireland or like you know what I mean, if they, if they have that kind of, you know what well, I mean. Well, that's the
0: thing that's really interesting that you brought up. So in Ireland, like a lot of Irish authors, they're very celebrated for their wit, the Irish yeah. humor, uh, their turns of phrases, the very unique phrase phrases word usage and the melodic quality of the writing a lot of Irish authors have a very pronounced rhythm in their writing and that comes from the Irish language because even even if they don't speak Irish it still bleeds over it's weird it's like a blend of the old world and the new even though they sp- were forced to speak English and write in English that still was like a holdover like their sayings and the way they carry on conversations and the stories they tell and the whole attitude still very Irish but it changed. like it's, I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's very strange. I, I just think it's very a, a very touchy topic, I would think, because like, like I said, most people pick James Joyce as the most celebrated, famous Irish author, and I disagree because he didn't write in Irish. Yeah. It would be different if no one wrote in Irish. Like There was no Irish writers that were celebrated because they, there was no Irish writers that wrote in Irish or spoke Irish, but there are. Because there, Martino Cain is the most famous one I know of, but I'm sure there are others. Yeah, I think even now there's authors because I've looked like at uh, Irish books. There's authors now that they only write in Irish, or they're trying to bring it back.
1: So were they not like let their books be like translated, or do they? Well, not they could be translated, translated. Yeah, but obviously the see.
0: Martino Kian books I read are all yeah. translated. Like the Japanese books, I would imagine some things are lost in the translation. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, We've but, talked about that before. Well, since
0: I've been studying, well, i studied Irish and Japanese, I can just tell from the grammar structure a lot is probably lost in the translation. Uh, also, like in Irish, for a simple example, I think the word, just the letter A, or word A, like, you know, he ran down a bank or something, there's no A in Irish. Like, there's, there's like a letter for A, but I mean, as far as just the word, uh, there's just no A. So there's like a lot of little things like that. So you can't ever have a direct translation of something, you know? Mm. So anyway, going back to the books, I just thought that was an interesting topic. I don't know if you uh, find it as interesting as I do, but it does bring up a good thought uh, process there of what constitutes a nationality as great writers. Yeah.
1: Then say the, it loses a little bit of, it gets fuzzy when the Irish example,
0: but just in general of like, well, I would imagine Africa would be another, like a a whole continent, but a lot of African countries you could probably do that with. Yeah. Because they, you know, uh, colonialism uh, and even maybe India. Uh, like a lot of people, I think, celebrate Salman Rushdie as the greatest Indian author, I would imagine. If you think about it, like he's, he's not writing Hindu or whatever. Mm-hmm. He lived in England a lot of his life, U.S. Uh, just when you think of Salman Rushdie, I really don't think Indian, honestly. Yeah. So, but I would imagine people celebrate him as one of the well, top. I was
1: going to say, like, what happens, like, if you get, like, a uh, like a foreigner or something, they come over to America, they get a, a visa, whatever, they move here, and then they become, like, you know, a really good writer. It's like, are they an American writer because they've been living here for the past, like, 10 or 15 years? Or are they, like, a Europe writer? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, some someplace over there, like... Well, oh, that'd be interesting. I wonder how, you know.
0: Well, going back to the Japanese, if we use Haruki Mirakami as an example, he speaks English, he translates works to English. What if he moved to the U.S. and became a citizen? You wouldn't yeah. say he was a American writer. Yeah. But then if he just started, I don't know. That's, that's, we're getting into the weeds yeah. now, but I would like to look more into that to see like different countries' top celebrated authors and see how many actually write and speak that language.
1: Well, even how many places even have a person?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would imagine most places do if they have writing.
1: I mean, or at least have somebody that's not like a couple hundred years old. Well, yeah, that's a different one. <sighs> fucking cold, man. Get, right. get get your blanket or something so your nips don't get so cold.
0: Man, I gonna get my blanket. My nips are getting cold. Tell the folks about your Patreon. I mean, you
1: should... My Patreon with the, the Gooch grinder? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Gooch's being grinded. Or grinded. That's to pay for you. Grounded. 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 <laughs> a lot of Gooch's being grounded. <laughs>
0: I know when I drink this fucking beer, though, I'm going to get hot. I always do. I don't know why it's fucking cold down here. I probably got fucking COVID again or something. Well, well it's uh, SARS. Well,
1: we're like partially in the ground down here, too.
0: Yeah, we're in the fucking sub-basement. Subterranean podcast studio. That doesn't help. It's the only way to keep the Tesseract intact. Yeah. I like the way I said the Tesseract <laughs> intact. Uh, so anyway, folks, since we rambled so much, uh, you came here for the 15 books by Irish blah, blah, Where You get it.
1: You've read the title. You know what it is. You
0: know what it I might change the title. I don't even know at this point. So, Spencer, do you want to know a book? Yeah. Trespasses by Louise Kennedy. You want to know what that's about? Uh, Trespass in some place. Amid daily reports of violence. Ooh, that's a weird name. Kushla lives. <laughs> a- <laughs> I feel like at this time in uh, the history of the world, you shouldn't say that's a weird name anymore. You're right. You just shouldn't say that's a weird name. I come across with people all the time that think I have a weird name. Amid daily reports of violence, Kushla lives a quiet life with her mother in a small town near Belfast. Oh, man, there's one of these I got to click on more. Oh, now it got way longer. <laughs> <laughs> By day, she teaches at a parochial school. I don't know what that is. At night, she fills in at her family's pub. I like that. There she meets Michael Agnew. I love the name Agnew. It's <laughs> yeah. one of my top name. Agnew Abernathy <laughs> Oh, what's another good one those are my two probably a names Ag, Agnew and abernathy there was another one i can't remember that we don't need to go there so anyway agnew's a, a barista who's made a name for himself defending ira members against her better judgment michael is not only protestant but older and married kushla lets herself get drawn in by him in his sophisticated world and an affair ignites okay uh, so a backdrop of the IRA. That's I'm actually interested in that one. Is it like a, a forbidden love story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, An Irish take on a forbidden Romeo and Juliet romance. Uh, that,
1: that's one thing that uh, that does interest me whenever I see like movies or shows. Then when the the IRA over, you know, yeah. over there, that's like you know. That stuff always like interested me. And I, I don't probably know one near enough of the actual
0: I mean, essentially it was like a civil war that tore... Yeah. You know what? If you want a good example of the IRA and how it affected people without being about it at all, look watch the movie The Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. It's a column it's a new movie. It was actually up for a bunch of Oscars. Lost them all, I think. Great I watched it a couple months ago. It was one of my favorite movies this year. It's really, really good. It's about uh a bud a guy colin farrow and his buddy an older gentleman who the older gentleman he goes to they drink every day at two o'clock to go to the pub they live on the small island in ireland and he, his buddy's just like i don't want to be friends with you no more mm. just randomly and he's like what and he tries to figure basically it's a representation of the ira like yeah. in the you know the irish independence and the, the civil war of the country and brother fighting brother it, that's pretty much what the story is but it's boiled down to just these two guys and it gets so hardcore where the guy's like if you don't leave me alone i'm gonna cut off my finger and throw it to you (laughs) and he's a fiddle player so he has to have his finger and he does and it just it just gets real out of hand and it was really funny real sentimental and i just i really really liked it but yeah it was a good representation of like how stupid and then like the even the ending i don't want to give away but it like kind of sums up the whole matter. But again, it's one of those allegories that's like, if you don't know anything about that, you wouldn't get it at all. You just think it's a fun story or whatever. So next up on the list, Spencer. Motherfucker. Ooh. All Down Darkness Wide by Sean Hewitt. And I don't know if you know this, but Irish people, they have the fancy A with the thing over it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And Sean. It's not just Sean. (laughs) It's Sean. (laughs) It's a Sean. Whoa, that's like Italian. Yeah. That ain't right. All Down Darkness Wide is a perceptive and unflinching meditation on the burden of living in a world that's too, in a world that too often sets happiness and queer life at odds and a tender and honest portrayal of what it's like to be caught in the undertow of a loved one's deep depression. So that's interesting. And because it's an Irish book, there's themes of Catholicism and everything else in there. I can't read all of it because these are big paragraphs. I don't have time for all this shit. Just check out the books yourself if you're interested. Uh, next up, "Out of Love" by Hazel Hayes. Hazel Hayes does not sound like an Irish name to me. It does not. "Out of Love" begins at the end. A couple calls it quits after nearly five years, and while holding a box of her ex-boyfriend's belongings, the young woman wa- wonders how could they have spent so long together? When did they fall out of love? Were there good times before the bad? I notice a trend here with these. It seems to be no matter the backdrop, these are all love-related. Yeah, I didn't
1: stories. say it seems that way. In which you would, I wouldn't think anyways, you know. But then again, I, I haven't read a lot of Irish-specific kind of Yeah, you need stories. to get on that,
0: but we'll we'll get your Japanese stuff out of the way yeah. first. Uh, also, Spencer, a uh, fun fact I learned today, actually. It's not a fun fact at all. It's horrible. Ireland did not outlaw the woman is the man's property oh, yeah? in court. like Like the law that, you know... If you're getting divorced or something, he the husband can sue you. Like if a woman leaves and has a lover, he could sue you because you're his property. They didn't outlaw that until
1: 1981.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, a little behind the times there, Ireland. Next up, we have The Searcher by Tana French. Oh, come on with the name. Now, I remember we did an Irish list one time, and I couldn't pronounce any of the names. And now we got Tana French despicable what if they're all not irish writers just irish books maybe no that's not it. that pissed me off cal hooper thought a fixer-upper in a bucolic irish village would be the perfect escape his name's cal hooper and he's an irish (laughs) what is going on here he's just i get that not all irish names are super irish but i feel like these modern authors here are trying to make sure they don't have irish names or very strong irish names so after 25 years in the Chicago police force and a bruising divorce, he just wants to build a new life in a pretty spot with a good pub where nothing much happens. So that explains Cal Hooper. Mm-hmm. I'm a jackass. <laughs> I judge this book too harshly when the guy is apparently from Chicago. <laughs> so Cal Hooper is a perfect name for a guy who maybe just moved to Ireland. Or he just said Irish Village. Maybe he's in America. I guess i ought to read on on this one. But well, when a local kid whose brother has gone missing, arm twists him into investigating... Cowan covers layers of darkness beneath his picturesque retreat and starts to realize that even small towns shelter dangerous secrets. That one seems interesting. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. A Week in Winter. Okay, now we've gotten it. I can't pronounce this. A Week in Winter by Maave Benchy? M-A-E-V-E Benchy. I'm going to say it's Maeve. It could be Mav. It could be Meve. Stony Bridge is a small town on the west coast of Ireland where all the families know each other. When Chicky Star decides to take an old decaying mansion set high on the cliffs overlooking the windswept Atlantic Ocean and turn it into a restful place for a holiday by the sea, everyone thinks she is crazy. Uh, helped by a rigger, a bad boy turned good who is handy around the house, and Orla, her niece, Stone House is finally ready to welcome its first guest. I always wanted to be able to buy an Irish mansion over a cliff. Oh, yeah. You know what? Also, the
1: only thing that beats that is the castle. I mean, I know they probably didn't have a lot of them over there, but you oh, know. Oh, no, like no the- they had lots of castles. Oh, did they?
0: Mainly in Scotland, but Ireland does have castles. No, Spencer, here's my top list of giant houses. Okay. One, castle. Yes. Clearly. Two, not mansion, manor. Oh, yeah. Manor. Yeah, people yeah. often overlook the manor. That, that's what Batman had. A manor. Yeah, he Wayne Manor. You need a manor. Third, I would say mansion. Mansion's just rich people. Manor is wealth. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know the distinction, I just made that <laughs> up, but I think it's true. It sounds true. It's like that
1: generational wealth.
0: Though, I don't know if you've noticed, but in our at least in our local area, of Pennsylvania, there's a lot of manors and they're all projects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the where the the low end of society has to move because they don't got the money
1: Or like do you like how like every every once in a while they try to throw a mansion around here and it's like
0: no that's just the bigger house with two floors they always do have like the little uh spiral thing what do they call it they're not a spire the the tower the pointy mm. it's like a round room and it's pointy i always wanted yeah. one of those I used to live next to a house I had one of those, and I went in that house one time when I was little because uh, the, the girls that lived there were in my class, and I went in there, and I was like... It was like a reading nook. Oh, and, and like one of those little, nice. I was like, oh, I would love this, <laughs> but I was poor. I didn't, I didn't get that. I was lucky I even had a window. Next up, The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. Now we're getting Irish hmm. with it. Maggie O'Farrell... Br- <laughs> that almost sounds like a slur. People are going to fucking... Like the Irish people listen to this. Well, Irish people could take a joke, though. But still, I just feel like, these fucking assholes, they're judging our Irishness by our names? Mm. Like, yes, cause <laughs> we are. Because people don't know. My real last name? Kennedy. Kennedy. No, it's not Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the wrong Kennedy. Don't do that. You don't need to know what Spencer did. Maggie O'Farrell brings the world of Renaissance Italy to jewel bright life in this unforgettable fictional portrait of the captivating young duchess, lucrezia de medici as she makes her way in a troubled court that doesn't sound irish at all the most irish name we probably came across so far in her books about italy uh i already apologize to this person because i'm not going to pronounce this name right uh the book is a Pieragon, a novel uh i think that's how you pronounce that a Pyragon, by colin mccann from the National Book Award-winning and bestselling author of *Let the Great World Spin* comes an epic novel rooted in the unlikely, unlikely real-life friendship between two fathers. It's weird how some of these have very descripti- descriptive, overly long synopsises, and then some of these have like a paragraph that explains nothing. <laughs> Next up, we have *Notes to Self* by Emily Pine. Now, Emily, while doesn't sound like the most Irish name, E M I L I E. The way it's spelled. Spelled in a fancy way. I don't know if that makes it more Irish Mm or not. Irish people spell things weird. They put too many uh, letters that don't need to be in there. Emily Pine speaks to the events that have marked her life, those emotional disruptions for which our society has no adequate language, at once bittersweet. clandestine, and ordinary, she writes with radical honesty on the unspeakable grief of infertility on caring for an alcoholic parent. Uh, and there's more taboos about women's bodies and sexual violence and a lot of other uh, hard subjects in this book. You know what, Spencer? What? Here's another topic real quick. If you have an Irish-American author, mm-hmm. so say your first generation, like your your parents were first, gen- like they moved here. Mm-hmm. So what does that make you? A first generation, second generation Irish? Yeah. You're Irish through and through, but you're born in America and the rest of your family's born in Ireland. If you uh, and say you have dual citizenship and you live in Ireland or, I mean, you could move to Ireland. Does that make you an Irish author, even though you're born in America We're born in England, wherever?
1: Uh, maybe it depends on what you write about and how much time you spend there.
0: I think it goes with what you identify as probably. I mean, yeah. And how much people are willing to go along with it. Yeah, that's the important thing. Like if the Irish people are like, no, fuck you. you just lived in Boston your whole life. That don't count. <laughs> Now we have, Spencer, I think I've heard of this one. Normal People by Sally Rooney. Normal People is the story of mutual fascination, friendship, and love. It takes us from the first conversation to the years beyond in the company of two people who try to stay apart but find that they can't. Sounds like a love story.
1: It does sound like a love story.
0: Next up, Too Close to Breathe by Olivia Kiernan. Olivia Kiernan's tautly written debut novel immerses readers in a chilling murder case and the tantalizing, enigmatic victim at the center of it all in a quiet Dublin suburb. With with her, uh, in a quiet Dublin suburb within her pristine home, Eleanor Costello is found hanging from a rope. Detective Chief Super, oh man, it's a big detective Mm. name. Detective Chief Superintendent Frankie Sheehan would be more than happy to declare it a suicide. But as the investigation goes on, things, you know, pop
1: up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Murder, murder.
0: The Lesser Bohemians by... Ooh, now we got a name. Now we got a name. E-I-M-E-A-R. Eimer? I'm going to say Eimer. Eimer. I'm going to say uh-huh. Eimer. By Imer McBride. One night, an 18-year-old Irish girl recently arrived in London to attend drama school meets an older man, a well-regarded actor in his own right. While she is naive and thrilled by life in the big city he is haunted by more than a few demons and the clamorous relationship that ensues risk undoing them both. A captivating story of passion and innocence, joy, and discovery set against the vibrant vibrant atmosphere of 1990s in London over the course of a single year. Again, another one that's not set in Ireland. But these are the greatest Irish books of modern time. I don't know, it just said you gotta read them now.
1: What about uh, Joyce did a lot of his stuff?
0: Almost all his of... work, if not all of it, was set in Dublin. Ah, uh dublin which was pretty much like it's pretty much like the london of ireland which means that it's or new york city for you yanks who uh don't know the cultural significance of a london or a dublin it has uh more that you'll see black people there yeah okay we'll just put it that way when you go to whitey town Mm. that's where you'll find people that aren't white Mm. is in those big cities I don't know I, we gotta be racist, Spencer.
1: I, I like how your mug's bigger than your coaster. I know, and it's a problem. I have to get
0: it just right or it'll topple over and cause a mess. This one sounds uh, right up your alley. The Heart's Invisible Furries. It's not furries. I read that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Heart's Invisible Furies.
1: Furries. <laughs> Freudian uh, f- uh, slip there. I, I,
0: I didn't realize there was only one R, not get, two. It get, looks like f- furries. It's got furries on the mind. That would have been a better book. This is by John Boyne, born out of wedlock to a teenage girl cast out from the rural Irish community and adopted by a well-to-do if eccentric Dublin couple via the intervention of a hunched-back redemptionist, redemptionist nun. Cyril is adrift in the world anchored only tenuously by his heartfelt friendship with the infinitely more glamorous and dangerous Julian Woodbread. It's not going to be Julian. It's Julian. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I like that's p- Spanish on the brain. I kind of like Julian the better. Though. Julian, this would be if he was a Spaniard. Julian. That's why I know my Spanish has been going good because now I'm accidentally slipping the yeah. J's into H's. I wonder if the writers themselves came up with these uh, synopsis or blurbs because that seems like a book I don't know if I would want to read just because it's very over not overwritten, it's just mouthful. Mm-hmm. So, very verbose, I think. Not bad. I don't know. I th- only because I've been reading this fucking <laughs> Mister Alan Moore has kind of tainted my desire to read difficult, I was, I was wordy gonna, w- works.
1: I was gonna ask you off air, like, do you think this is put if if uh, Jerusalem put a wrench in your plan of reading these mo- multiple mega books this this year?
0: No, because I think like the Iliad and stuff will be a good palate cleanser because that's not difficult. The language isn't. I don't know. I just think it'll be all right. Hopefully. Like I said, I'll read some Murakami, and I got that uh the other Japanese book I picked up. I might read that too before I get into the other stuff. I haven't decided. Next up, Love by Roddy Doyle. Two old friends reconnect in Dublin for a dramatic, revealing evening of drinking and storytelling in this winning new novel from the author of the Booker Prize winning Patty Clark. Ha 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 ha. Uh I probably would read that just because that sounds like a fun like I just like uh people telling stories in a pub. Yeah. It's probably good. That sounds very Irish. Next up, Netherland by Joseph O'Neill. Hans von der Broek stumbles upon the vibrant New York subculture of cricket. I didn't think that was a thing. Where he revisits his lost childhood and thanks to a friendship with a charismatic and charming Trinidadian guy from Trinidad (laughs) named Chuck Ramikassoon begins to reconnect with his life and his adopted country. That one said New York. When I read Japanese, uh, books, now actually I'll ask this as a question to you, Spencer. I'll throw this your way. If you read a Japanese book, would you feel a little bit disappointed if it's not set anywhere in Japan, at least at some point in the book? Yeah. Like I, you, you read a Japanese. No,
1: is that just from a like a Japanese author? Yeah,
0: like a like Haruki Murakami. You picked up a book and it's set in fucking San Francisco. i
1: was gonna say, would well, just because, like you know, we with like the Iwata series. You know, it's not written uh, by a Japanese person, but it's, like, the first one's set in Japan, and then the second one, you know, is in, like, America. Mexico. uh, Mexico.
0: But Nicholas Obergon is a British Spaniard. Yeah. lives in the U.S. and Spain and Portugal, wherever the fuck he goes. He's in, uh, right now, he went to Buenos Aires, which I was like, oh, man, he's posting... The most famous bookshop that I always wanted to go yeah. to he was in there. And then now he's in Uruguay or Paraguay or any mm-hmm. He's all over the place. All the ways. And I'm just like, dude, you're living the life, man. And he's like, the meat down here, man. Tell <laughs> me. He's like, you get the meat. And I'm like, I know you <laughs> get, get, to get to meat. Right? You got to tell me that. You think I know about the meats? That's I know the, all about the meats. He's like, you get the meat. It's so cheap, but it
1: gets so much. It just turned into <laughs> this weird Seinfeld episode. It's like, you don't have to tell me about the meats. I know about the meats. <laughs> I know about the meats. You don't have to tell me about the meats
0: delectable deliciously delectable next up we have the sea by john banville in this luminous new novel about love loss and the unpredictable power of memory john banville introduces us to max morden a middle-aged irishman who has gone back to the seaside town where he spent his summer holidays as a child to cope with the recent loss of his wife these are very common topics in uh, irish society at least from the books i've read Uh, Martin kyan has some short stories that were set Near the Sea, the west of Ireland, where he mainly wrote about because that was more rural Ireland. Still is. And I, a part of me is just very touched by that work. I like that kind of stuff uh, because they're small stories, you know? Some, like We are so used to these like fucking Alamore shit, like such big grand adventures and all these huge ideas. But sometimes, like the movie The Banshees of Inner Sharon, you could tell these small stories about individuals with very relatable, common problems. Yeah. And I like that stuff. Not all the time. Sometimes you want the big adventures. You want your Marvel movies. You want whatever. But sometimes you just want something that's just like, hey, I know what that's like. I went through yeah. that. You know, you want something small that doesn't really matter in the big picture of things. doesn't matter to anyone that's not involved. Like a slice
1: of life kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I like that kind of stuff. Next up, we have nothing because that was the end of the list. Wow. Ooh. That was the top. Okay. You know what we'll end with, Spencer? Oh, actually, I know what we're going to end with, so we won't end with just yet. Okay. <laughs> I just want a, a quick list. Greatest Irish authors. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do, and I'll just go by Google. Because when's that ever wrong? It's a big beer, dude. I'm not even halfway through it. No, you're not. <laughs> I've been drinking it this whole podcast. It's so good when just hit your lips, you know? So much foam, it's nitrous. and You finally got
1: some of the head down. Yeah, like when the head goes down.
0: So we have, Spencer, do you want to guess? You want to guess all of them? No. Some, some will surprise you, because I remember we did this a long time ago, and I made a fool of myself, and like, Oscar Wilde wasn't Irish. Like, I just was yeah. saying people weren't Irish, because I didn't realize at the time, you, they were Irish, but then even though they spoke English, lived in England, whatever. So number one, James Joyce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, Oscar Wilde. Number three, Samuel- Which is a way better name. Oscar Wilde is an awesome yeah. name. And he was a gay man who was punished harshly for his gayness. And that seems like the perfect gay guy name, I think. Or like a porn star name. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a poor taste, but that's what I believe. Yeah. That's what I feel. Number three on... This isn't anywhere. I'm going to uh, Samuel Beckett. I have not... He's shown up a lot in this Alan Moore's Jerusalem. Actually, all these Irish authors for some reason have been in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, so I think Alan Moore has a... Some kind of affection for Irish authors. Obviously, he mimicked a lot of their work in here. Samuel Beckett, I believe, was a playwright. I know he, I think he had novels, but uh, that explains why not only does he show up in the Jerusalem, uh, he, there's a chapter that I haven't got to yet that's, uh, or I read already that's written as a play. Mm. That might be alluded to him. We have the James Joyce chapter. I just feel like, you know, going through the list here. uh, Here's one you might not know Bram Stoker. Oh, yeah. 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 Here's the one I didn't know. Jonathan Swift. I believe he's the one who did uh, Gulliver's Travels. Oh, okay. Uh William Butler Yates. I knew Yates was a dirty dog. I didn't <laughs> know he was an Irishman. <laughs> oh. So Mauve Meve Mave Maeve. Maeve. That's probably the name. Maeve Benchy. Uh I didn't realize she was not a necessarily a modern author. She passed away in two thousand twelve. Oh. she's born in uh, 39. Hmm uh c.s lewis i did not know c.s lewis chronicles of Narnia. i did not know he was a uh, no an irishman uh ruddy doyle brendan behan Behan, bahan john banville george bernard shaw seamus haney who would have thought seamus was an irishman right? right i mean come on frank mccourt he did angelo's ashes edna o'brien emma donahue sally rooney anna enright John Millington, so this at least proves that that list I read off of was some decent authors yeah. there, obviously. Uh, Colm Tobin, Marion Kaye, Sean O'Casey, Trinity College Dublin. <laughs> I don't know why that's on the list. Iris, Iris, it's hard to say Iris when you're thinking of Irish. Iris Murdoch, William Trevor, Lawrence, oh, Lawrence Stern, Brian O'Nolan. Okay, and there's a ton of French was on here. Um, Colin McCann's on here. So pretty much everybody that was in that article is on this list. There's a lot, but those are the most famous ones I already mentioned. <laughs> Twenty minutes of that will get the fans excited. So as promised, Spencer, I'll read you some James Joyce love letters. Yes, because I know how randy it makes you.
1: It does. It makes it easy. It makes the gooch grinding easier.
0: Yeah, I bet. James Joyce love letters. I. I uh, no, not love poems. Love letters. I. Act- you had
1: to put the word fought in there. That's... Fights.
0: There's a lot of uh, ar- since we came out with that episode, a lot of articles have been written about this. Now,
1: you think we, because of us, did we there, start
0: it, dude? There, the Paris Review, high esteem. <laughs> the Paris Review. This is the headline on Google. It's the the very. It's the second article that pops up. So the first one, thirteen, not suited for writing or for work. Lines from James Joyce's incredibly dirty love letters. That's mental flaws. Next up, Paris Review title. James Joyce's love letters to Nora Barnacle, his dirty little (laughs) fuckbird. You got that as the headline? That's from 2018. That's not like a real old article. Uh, That's great. That makes me want to read it. All right, here's one. I'm just trying to find the actual letters, though. I don't want excerpts. I want want the letters. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to read excerpts. Because this, uh, this first one that came up is great. We don't need um, a real
1: long one, just a little something to get the,
0: get it going. I need to find like some soothing music for this, or, like some porno music mm-hmm. or something. I think the more elegant the music. Yeah, real elegant classical <laughs> music. All right, I'm going to read a bunch of these. Fuck it. God, we got 10 minutes to kill. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm just going to move the mic away a little bit
1: just so I don't blow the listener's ears out. I don't
0: know if I can do this. I had this problem last time we read these. Oh. Cause, because unlike the letter, this literally just starts with the bad parts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just goes, just dives in. All right.
0: You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties ending in a long gush from your hole. <laughs> I read that one before. <laughs> I remember it, but it's still great. <laughs> It is wonderful to fuck a farting woman when every fuck drives one out of her. I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out of it. <laughs> I think I could pick hers out in a room full of farting women. It is a rather girlish noise, not like the wet, windy fart, which I imagine fat wives have. It, <laughs> he's the kind of guy
1: that would pay chicks and only fans to, to <laughs> fart in her jaw and mail
0: it to him. Yeah, yeah. It is sudden and dry and dirty like what a uh-huh. bold girl would let off in fun in a school dormitory at night. I hope Nora will let off no end of her farts in my face uh-huh. so that I may know their smell also. Oh, James Tracy, dirty dog. <laughs> the, the, is there a collection? Of, can, like, can I buy a collection of, his, of these What I did let- last time was I downloaded a PDF of all of them. Oh, man. The whole letters. And we that's what we were reading from. And I was just picking them out. That is so great. And it's again, I mentioned this a long time ago. Why is his fart fiction better than most people's and, regular... Right? Well, not fart. That's just love letters. I always say fart fiction. It's not fiction. That's his real life. Those were letters he wrote to his dearest. He's another one's mother. Today I stopped short often in the street with an exclamation whenever I thought of the letters I wrote you last night and the night before. They must read awful in the cold light of day. <laughs> he even knows it fucking, <laughs> <laughs> what a degenerate he crazy. is. <laughs> perhaps their coarseness has disgusted you i suppose the wild filth and obscenity of my reply went beyond all bounds of modesty what do you do if you get that letter if you're that lady who's not a writer and you have to respond to that and it takes six weeks to mail like what do you do um oh man okay it was you yourself, you naughty, shameless girl, who first led the way. It was not I who first touched you long ago down at the Ringsend. It was you. <laughs> at the ringsend. Those, those the docks, I think. <laughs> but still, with the, the <laughs> with the context, it does. <laughs> it was you who slid your hand down inside my trousers and pulled my shirt softly aside and touched my prick. With your long tickling fingers, and gradually took it all, fat and stiff as it was, into your hand and frigged me slowly until I came off through your fingers. All the time bending over me and gazing at me out of your quiet saint-like eyes. Oh man! Oh, I guess uh... the balls it would take to send this. Oh, he had the balls, my sweet little horish Norah. I think it worse. Mm-hmm. My sweet little Horace Nora, I did as you told me, you dirty little girl, and pulled myself off twice when I read your Ooh. letters. I am delighted to see that you do not like being fucked our ways. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I am delighted to see that you do like being <laughs> fucked our ways. There's a distinction there. What were her letters though? We never got that side. Oh
1: man, yeah, that that's the uh the response letters. That's what I want.
0: Fuck me if you can, squatting in the closet, with your clothes up grunting like a young sow during <laughs> Grunting like a young sow doing her dung and a big fat dirty snaking thing coming slowly out of your backside. <laughs> Fuck me on the stairs in the dark like a nursery maid fucking her soldier, unbuttoning his trousers gently and slipping her hand into his fly and fiddling with his shirt and feeling it getting wet and then pulling it gently up and fiddling with his two bursting balls. And at last, pulling out boldly the Mickey she loves to handle And friggin' it for him softly Murmuring into his ear dirty words and dirty stories That other girls told her and dirty things she said And all the time pissing her drawers with pleasure And letting off soft warm quiet little farts. Why? What is it the piss and shits and farts? <laughs> yeah, that's new Why was that all one sentence? It's too long Good night, my little farty Nora, my dirty little fuckbird. There is one lovely word, darling, you have underlined to make me pull myself off better. Write me more about that and yourself sweetly dirtier. Dirtier. Like,
1: where are they? Like, how far away are they they from each other? Like, what's going on? Like, why?
0: They lived in the fucking early 1900s, Spencer. could just get on the phone and be like, hey, you know, sex. But I mean, like,
1: why are they not, like... Living together, or like I don't have the answers. I to. I like to think that they were actually married and together, and these are just letters that they write each other to Sleep leave around like, the house. Yeah,
0: I don't know if they ever got married. Honestly, there's comments on here. Sorry, no. Oh, I'm sure they're great. All right, enough <clears> of that. Um, that never gets old. No, it doesn't. It's just like oh, James Joyce, one of the greatest writers ever. Fucking dirty per Artur. He's a, he's a great artist. He's a dirty perfect <laughs> What's what's with the farting? Uh, I never under like
1: Especially back then.
0: Yeah, because you know, like one, it's all hair down there. Oh yeah. Like way too much hair. And the cleaning, like the bathing and the that wasn't up to snuff. Like people weren't bathing daily. They probably weren't even bathing weekly. Maybe if they're rich they did, but I don't it wasn't a lot. It, everything smelled is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. But without the farts, everything smelled. And I just imagine toilet paper had a hunks of bark in it. I just like the They just one. used an old spoon, like a teaspoon. I don't know what they did to clean themselves.
1: I just like the line of wherever, like, he could, in a room full of farting women, he could sniff out her farts. <laughs> like, just-
0: oh, good. It's, say what you want about Hemingway. He didn't have letters like that. No, he didn't. That is. And that. I don't know if those came out when any of his contemporaries were still alive, but imagine if Hemingway was still alive and he read that and was like, that fucking guy. Oh, I knew that guy. I didn't. Maybe he was open with it. I don't know. So they were out drinking. He's like, you know what, guys?
1: You know what I love? Just want a chick Benzo and just farts right in my nostrils. I love
0: knocking the farts out of her. Mm. That is, uh, I wonder if that's like an Irish thing that we don't know about. Maybe they love 40 women over in Ireland. They're always doing things arse ways yeah yeah Europeans are weird. <laughs> I know Americans are weird, but Europeans are weird <laughs> yeah that and here's the thing like that's an Irishman. imagine an Irishman in a fucking very Catholic time where everything was repressed and you couldn't do anything, and women were property. Imagine what it was like in France, yeah, with them pervers who mm-hmm. were just openly sexual and doing all kinds of stuff and not shaving their armpits. What are they up to? Lots more farts,
1: yeah, way more farts.
0: Did he do things with the poop? He mentioned the poop, but did he do things with the poop? You think, was that too much? He didn't like his lady's like did he? No. Now, there was one that I read along when we did the one episode. It wasn't on there, but about, I think he was, uh, there was two. One, about doing something down at the docks. I think yeah. the word Mickey was used, pulling somebody's Mickey. But two, remember there was the one about him... Where he was very self-conscious about his wiener size, and he kept asking her, like some guy she met, if he had or did I don't know if he had a bigger wiener, mm. and like she was going on about that. i was
1: surprised in the one that the the one that you read about him just getting jerked off.
0: Yeah, well, apparently Nora was a freak. <laughs> Obviously, if she continued this laziness with the uh with the, with the tugging and the pooping and the farting and all that, I mean, what women's just openly like? How does that start? Yeah, does she accidentally during sex just let one out, and then he's just like, yeah,
1: yeah, like, it, oh, he likes that. It, like, how does that go? Especially like we said back then,
0: <laughs> back then. Like now, like, well, yeah, that was all the, modest. Like now, yeah, it makes complete sense. Like, but even now, if you hooked up with a chick for the first time and she just started farting randomly, you'd be like, oh, yeah. like, or I mean, even if you're into it, you'd be you'd be startled. It'd be something that uh, you weren't expecting. I mean, I would probably just banish her to the netherworld. <laughs> like, no, get out of my house, lady. That's gross. If I'm not doing it, you're not doing it. <laughs>
1: Disgusting. Fart in my face. <laughs> like, you what? don't want my farts in your face, lady.
0: Mm. i going to reflect on that for a while after this. Still, though, great reads. If you folks oh, yeah. can, read those letters. Anyway, happy St. Paddy's Day. It's delayed when this episode drops, but that is okay, because I'm here with Spencer, the Galloway Gooch Grinder Church, Mm-mm. all the way from, I don't know, where Galloway, I guess, today. Yeah. Uh, if you want to check out his OnlyFans where he probably grinding Gucci's and maybe a little fart now. Yeah. Do that. Uh but, 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 but you can follow us at the DPW podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and what else? My website, CalebJamesK.com. You can go on there and see what I'm up to. See how many fucking rejections. And I don't actually bitch about my rejections on there. I should just post a list. Yeah. One day like, I've been rejected this many times, so don't feel bad. It takes this many times to get published. Uh so anyway. Find you a nice farting woman, and your life will be complete.